Hello, and welcome to our weekly podcast of Who's Here in the Hamptons. I'm Dan Retiner, your host, broadcasting from my home in the Hamptons, where I have lived for over 55 years. I've written a dozen books about this glorious place, and I've seen it grow through the years from small tourist towns, quaint fishing villages, and a summer playground for high society, to what it is today, a world-class resort for celebrities, artists, musicians, authors, and billionaires. In my podcast, I will bring you interviews with not only these people, but also prominent local people who have helped shape the Hamptons. My guest on Dan's Talks today is Eve Carlin, the author of a new book called Tract 61, which is about one of the most dramatic events that ever took place here on the East End, namely the only time that uh, Nazis landed in America took place here and also in Florida during World War II. And it's quite a topic. Um, and um, uh, I don't know if they still do it, but for a number of years, the uh, Coast Guard station in Amagansett was holding uh, reenactments of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where it took place. So that's why they did that. Uh, tell us a little bit about the, the book. It's called Track 61. When it, came out and uh, why you decided to write about it? Well, um, I grew up in Amagansett um, and I was always had heard my whole life about this event that happened in 1942. But I came about writing the book in a slightly different way because I was fascinated and am fascinated with New York City history. And my first novel was about um, a murder that took place in Manhattan in 1800. So as I searched around for a topic for a second book, I was kind of fascinated by Grand Central, which I consider just a fabulous, fabulous place with lots of hidden secrets. When I learned that there was a secret sub-basement in Grand Central that was targeted in 1942 by Nazi saboteurs, all at once a story fell into place because I realized that the men they were speaking about, the saboteurs, were those four individuals who had landed on the beach in Amagansett, um, steps away from where I grew up as a child. And I had heard about them my whole life. And it just seemed like an immediate connection, something that I really had a personal, personal connection to. Well, describe what took place. It was during the night. Yes. June 13th, 1942, just after midnight. It's impossible almost to believe when you stand on the beach in Amagansett that a U-boat came ashore, well, came close to shore, about 100 feet offshore. And um, four men disembarked, came to shore. Um, They were on a, a sabotage mission against the United States. On the beach that night, they landed. They landed with um, a lot of dynamite, and they were there. They were to bury the dynamite in the dunes. But while they just shortly after they landed, they were intercepted on the beach by a patrolman, John Cullen. So they kind of bluffed a story with him, um, and because he was alone, and they were four men, and. Um, they um, they evaded him that evening and they got away. Although Cullen did go back to the Coast Guard station, the station that now has been beautifully renovated and placed back in its original location 
uh, off Atlantic Beach, and he alerted the Coast Guard to, to this kind of unusual. He didn't realize at the time who they were or what they were doing, but he felt it was suspicious. Well, uh, I think he knew they were speaking a foreign language to each other. That's true. Um, one man, well, in fact, George Dash, the leader, his German was very poor. He, they had all lived for many, many years in the United States. But Peter Berger did say something to George Dash in German. That's correct. Yes. Uh, I've, been, I've been doing research in history, too. And one thing I uncovered, which... Uh, I'll, you, I wondered if you knew about was that George Dash actually worked in East Hampton. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In the summer with his wife. Correct. She, yeah. Not German. She was of, we think we, she was a uh, Italian American and they had lived in New York and came out for the summer where he, he was a professional waiter, the leader. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so how did he get to be on a U boat? And coming ashore from Germany? Yeah, they all, all the men, uh, in fact, kind of the man I focus on most is someone, an individual named Peter Berger, who was a naturalized U.S. citizen. So um, they all were, you know, I, part of the reason they were chosen was because of their English skills. But, you know, in the early 30s, George, Peter, the others, they went back to Germany and they were living in Germany when they were um, kind of coerced into being part of this mission. I think George had a relative that was in uh, the Abwar, in the um, kind of the, the military, the secret military in Germany who drafted him to be part of this mission. Tell, tell me, um, you said you're a local girl. And, yeah, uh, local and girl. You became interested in literature and, uh, and um, books like when you were growing up? Well, I work at Bookhampton, as you know, and I worked in publishing for many, many years prior to that. And before that, I was an English major. But I think I've always been a reader. Where did you and go? I've always read Dan's paper my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> where did you go, where did you, uh, go, go to uh, as an English major? Colgate University. Yeah, that's a quiet part of the world at that uh, <laughs> Yes. So um, you became interested in history at that time, but you were an English major. Amari, did you study American? Uh, American? You know, the funny thing is that I worked in publishing at Random House for many years. Oh. Um, I was reading, and you know, sometimes when you work in publishing and you read fabulous books, and some of them are just mind-boggling, and others you kind of feel like, huh, I could maybe write this. Um, and I was reading Ron Chernow's amazing biography on Alexander Hamilton, when I stumbled across this something called the Manhattan Well murder. And when I looked into this murder, which is the topic of my first book, I realized that the well in which a young woman's body was found still existed on Spring Street. And I lived across the street from this well that still exists there at 129 Spring Street. So this story just kind of I fell into my lap. A lot of people think that the woman who was murdered is, in fact, a ghost that haunts Spring Street. And I really do feel like I, she was communicating with me to let her story be known. And in many ways, I feel the same thing about the Nazi saboteurs in Track 61. Because, as you know, because you know so much about the story, it's not 
as as apparent as it seems on the surface. You know, these men, a lot of them, the, once you dig into it a little bit, you become a little bit more sympathetic to the to the plight of a couple of the men who were really trapped between a rock and a hard place. And I always walk my dog uh, around there in Atlantic Beach, and I couldn't walk there without kind of thinking that basically when these men stepped ashore there, their lives came to an end. Well, they did for some of them. Many of them being electric, had electrocuted. There were eight in all, four, yes. four in Florida. And uh, how did we wound them, uh, round them up? But they, we both know that's not how it happened. But, but Absolutely. Well, you know, I mean, um, J. Edgar Hoover has kind of a, a, a nefarious kind of persona at this day and age. At the time, you know, um, he took full credit for capturing all eight Nazi saboteurs. You have the headlines. And the truth is, is much different. In fact, they might have very well succeeded in their mission. A lot of people like to tell the story. These are a bunch of um, the stories come down. They're a bunch of buffoons. They were, you know, kind of clowns that were never going to succeed. But in fact, two of the men turned themselves in. And if not for that, they might very well have succeeded. What were they up to? What were they going to do? They were going to destroy bridges. They were going to, um, the, the subject of my book focuses on Grand Central and something called M42, which is a secret sub-basement, 10 stories below Grand Central Station, whose existence was only revealed in the 1980s. It's not on any map. Um, and the rotary converters that supplied power to trains up and down the East Coast were, were run out of there. So had they succeeded in, um, and it would have taken very little to stop those rotary converters, they would have stopped 80% of troop and equipment supplies. And the um, power from that substation also supplied aluminum plants. And if that had been sabotaged, Airplane production would have stopped. So there was, you know, the consequences were enormous. I had read that um, an aluminum plant has to stay active or mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. the product will just gel. Exactly. The electrolyte baths would harden and it would have taken about a year in order to rebuild them. So and in June of 1942, six months into the war for the United States, could have changed the entire outcome of the war. Is there um, a lot of research been done on this? Ever things like movies or anything that you know? There are a lot of terrific nonfiction books, especially one by Michael Dobbs, the leader of the um, Nazi saboteur group that landed them against George Dash, wrote a memoir, which is kind of fascinating to read. He was in kind of a crazy man. To my knowledge, there's been no movie. And to my knowledge, my book is historical fiction. And that this is the first treatment as fiction. It sticks close to the facts, but there's certainly elements that I've introduced to make it a little bit more pal palatable to people who would not necessarily read a straight history. I think there, there's also something to be said about where they landed in Amagansett and what was going on there. There were two government military 
agencies within 300 yards of where they came ashore. The Coast Guard station and? The Navy radio station. And the, the Navy radio station's job was to track Nazi subs. But, you know, they, they were off target. It was a very, very foggy night, is my understanding. And they were meant to land in East Hampton. So they, they did not land exactly where they had intended. And, in fact, the sub got grounded. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so the, it could have, you know, they narrowly escaped capture that night somehow making them more, their way to, to New York City on the morning train and arriving in New York on the day of the largest military parade in U.S. history. Yes. <laughs> New York at war, it was called. Yeah, amazing parade to look up the footage. There, There is really terrific footage on YouTube of that parade. And, uh, and there they were. Um, they had changed into fishermen's uniforms and then they had, had a whole lot of money with them and they went out shopping and got it's quite an amazing story. And I'm glad your book is out. It can be found, I imagine, at Hampton <laughs> and all other bookstores in the area. Yes. And, um, and uh, track 21 was a target. 61. <clears throat> track 61. And uh, uh, I'm I'm very glad that uh, you've added this bit to uh, uh, the legends of this landing. Where what are you planning on next? Do you have any plans for another book? I I have plans for another book. Always plans for another book. Also another kind of little known piece of American history that I'm fascinated by. Not talk about it out of luck. You know, I'm being coy. Yeah. <laughs> Most writers, including myself, do that because we don't want to spook it. Yeah. Soon that we're not interested in it or something. I don't know what it is. Thank you for being on the show, and uh, I'll uh, wish you the best. And I'll see you. There's an uh, a uh, a weekend uh, festival coming up for um, mystery writers in April. Can you talk a little about that? It's a, a fabulous, fabulous event. I am just on the committee. Um, it's being spearheaded by the mayor in East Hampton, Mayor Jerry Larson, and also another a, a writer who is now a village trustee, Carrie Doyle. And they have a fabulous roster of crime and mystery writers. It's going to be happening this April, April 13th. Uh, Michael Connolly, Anthony Horowitz, um, a lot of local writers. Lisa Jewell. It's just going to be a terrific weekend with lots of author panels, also some podcasts, and um, some other kind of fun, like um, crying papers. Thank you for being on the show. I will. Thank you so much for having me. Talk to you soon. Okay. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye.